<laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Um, welcome to our afternoon seminar here at the lounge. Um, yesterday, um, if you were around, we had uh, Matt and Phil Yates talking about why music and why creativity is important to God, um, and and that was really good. And today we've got um, Lou Fellingham with us. Um, <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> um, so we're going to um, chat for a little bit. I'm going to ask Lou some questions, um, and then we're going to open the floor. Someone's going to run around with a mic, and you can ask. Um, anything, music, worship, all that sort of stuff um, that you might have burning as well. Um, so, Lou, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, I thought first it might be good to, um, to essentially ask, who are, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what's, what's sort of like, how do you, how do you view like, you, I, I sort of feel like you've held so many roles over the years how do you sort of view where where you're at what you do yeah okay uh so my name's lou and i live in brighton and i'm married to a guy called nathan we've got three kids jesse ella and jude and um i basically sing write speak all of that stuff um as well as being a mum and a friend and um yeah, I basically do music for my job. That sounds incredibly <laughs> cool. <laughs> Which, it, it does sound really cool, and it is really, really fun, and I do love it. And, uh, but it's always, it can also be, you know, hard work. Mm. <laughs> How did you get started in music? Was this, have you always been musical? Have you been in a musical family? Or? Yeah, um, so my dad has always loved to sing around the house. My mum and dad weren't Christians when they were growing up, and my dad used to be part of a local youth group in Croydon area, and uh, he used to do lots of performing on stage. So it was obviously in my kind of history. Um, but then mum and dad became Christians, and then um, they kind of were involved in local church singing. My dad would lead the singings. I come from quite a traditional background, so it's like stand up, sing a song, and then sit down again sort of mm. thing. Um, and when I was five, I became a Christian. And when I was seven, I started singing in church. And I really loved Jesus, and I really loved singing. And so at that point, I decided I really want to sing about Jesus as, when I get older. Yeah, so... Because I'm, I'm old, <laughs> um, for those of you that, that don't, haven't clocked that... Um, so I think I first came across you will have been like Stonely. <laughs> You've um, got to be careful what you say now, David, yeah. because if you're old, what does that make me? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so basically I was seven, and I grew up in kind of, well, um, we moved around a lot when I was younger. So I was born in Australia, then we came back to England and lived with my nan around kind of Pearly Way, that sort of thing, then we went back to Australia. Then we came back to England, lived around there again, and then I was in Red Hill, and then Crawley Down, Turner's Hill, and I just knew from a very young age that I really wanted to sing and tell people about Jesus, but I didn't have any contacts, I didn't have any connections, I didn't have a dad who was in the business, I didn't have any way of doing it apart from the fact 
that wherever I went, I'd do things like the guys that were up here earlier. I'd just, wherever I went, I'd sing. I'd give people demo tapes. I'd tell people I wanted to tell people about Jesus through singing, and I did that. And so I entered competitions, and I joined local bands, and I did choirs. Anything I could do to sing, I did it. Um, most of it was Christian, um, and different, but different kind of contexts. And then when I was about 15, I went to a youth camp in Canterbury. And I still wasn't necessarily doing loads on stage at that point, but I definitely had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And um, I got up on stage and sung at this camp. And I don't know, I just, I think God just kept opening doors. And when I was 16, I went to Stonely and um, I was there as a guest with a bunch of other people from another church. I wasn't part of New Frontiers, didn't have any sort of connection to it at all. Um, But I just happened to be hanging out with a group of youth and so I was there and I walked past the big barn. And I remember looking into the big barn and it, it held about... No, know, we got to about 15,000 each week, didn't we? And I remember looking in the barn and going, I wonder what it feels like to sing on that stage. And then three years later, I had worked for Youth for Christ for a year, traveling around doing schools work, singing. And then I ended up in Brighton to join a band called Fatfish. And then a few months after that, I was on the stage at Stonely. So all I can say is that I kept pushing doors and um, praying and trusting God, and God is the one that opened those doors. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> How, um, so you mentioned Fatfish. Yes. Um, I've, I've always described, when I've told friends about Fatfish, I've always described it as a sort of a really nice middle ground between um, a, a gig, gig vibe and a worship vibe. Yeah. Um, is that something, is that how you you would view it and is that something you you were sort of going for like how how did it come about yeah so um fatfish is a band that i was in when i was 19 i moved to brighton to join this band they did funk music and um they were going to pubs and clubs basically to play funk music but with a, a positive message and hopefully some sort of god message coming through it but it wasn't as overt as kind of singing jesus loves you Um, We would tell stories through songs. We would have a lot of groove happening. Um, In fact, one person had to get off the stage and have a dump, and at that time we managed to keep the groove going while he went off to the toilet and then made it back again. So we had very long intros. And we did that in pubs and clubs and all sorts of things. And, um, And then we were also involved in this band that led worship in the local church and on stage at Stonely. So we had these two hats that we would wear. Um, And I think I would say that at that time, the whole kind of culture of worship and being a worship artist, doing worship as your job, that sort of yeah. stuff, it didn't really exist. Uh, it was more about local churches, and then there were key people that might be going around singing and telling people and leading people in, in church stuff. But it wasn't like, this is my thing that I want to become. I want to be a worship leader. Mm. Um, and there was a season in that beginning bit where... The Holy Spirit came in an amazing way Mm. all around the world. It was called the Toronto Blessing. And um, there was a a, a place where it affected the worship. So there was an outpouring of the Spirit, which meant that there was joy and freedom and uh, just a way of seeing God that many of us had never experienced him in that way before. And that affected the worship. 
And then it also affected what we did in pubs and clubs and who we were. But what we realised as Fatfish was that most of the time in the pubs and clubs it was Christians coming along rather than non-Christians, which is who we were trying to reach. So it was like, actually, we need to shift who, how we do this because actually we want to serve the people that, that are coming along at this time. Mm. So we shifted what we did. So we did a few church songs that you do in churches, and then we do a lot of storytelling songs, a bit more giggy, that sort of stuff. So we had a really good mix of that. But one thing I'd like to say is that if you like doing music and you feel called to sing or play an instrument, that sort of stuff, it doesn't have to be always in a church context it can still be worship even if you're in a secular environment because if you are somebody who loves Jesus and is a carrier of Jesus then you carry him wherever you go and actually we need Christians yeah. in the secular scene we don't we don't want everyone in in doing the same thing actually we all have different parts to play so um, all of it can be worship whether it's a, a congregational setting or whether it's not actually necessarily even singing about God but you can still be worshipping as you do it. Yeah, Does that make sense? That's really good. I have to say, I have had most of your hair colours over yeah. the years as well. <laughs> I'm very impressed that you managed to get so many into yeah. one sitting. How did you decide which order to do first? Um, I literally yeah. um, watched a TikTok yeah. and thought, that looks really cool, I'm going to try that. <laughs> um, and then this was lockdown, because of course it was lockdown. Um, and then... Bleached my own hair, cut my own hair, dyed my own hair. Because <laughs> if you're going to try it, try it yeah, all at yeah, once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your worst colour, though, to have had in your hair? Um, I think I've sort of gone green at one point. Yeah. I think green's very... been the worst one for me. The blue yeah. goes a bit mouldy after a while as well, doesn't it? But, yeah. you know. Yeah. Anyway, back to <laughs> chatting. <laughs> it's okay. I can, I can talk about hair for ages. Excellent. <laughs> um, there's something you said there when you were talking about fatfish that you so you started sort of trying to reach people outside of the church yeah. and then realized that the people were coming mainly were from the church yeah and then you changed what you were trying to do to to match the crowd you'd built yeah i'd feel like a lot of people sort of i know i've had this in the past you can feel like um this is what i want to do mm. And then when a different group of people come up, you go, well, I need to change what I'm doing and be more to get rid of that group yeah. and get the group I want. Yeah. <laughs> like, how... What was the discussion around that, I guess? Yeah. To... yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is, you don't, you don't want to conform just so everybody likes you. Mm. And so it wasn't like, oh, you know, nobody likes us here, so we're going to suddenly do the Christian thing. It was much more about God kind of stirring in our hearts. These are the people that are coming, and I want you to reach them. Yeah. And so I think that when you're called to something, sometimes what's in front of you doesn't actually seem like it matches what you feel God's calling you to do. And so you have a decision to make. Okay, do I keep going with that calling of what I really think is what? is on my heart and God has spoken about or do I back off and just do the obvious and easy route now I would obviously just say within that that what you want to do is do what God said first and foremost but I think for us within that context we felt God actually changing our direction for yeah. us so it's a different thing than kind of going oh well it's not really working out so let's try something else and see what that does I mean yeah, again you don't want to be stubborn with it so sometimes god can can change your direction 
by kind of steering who's in front of you or what mm. walls go up and what doors open, that sort of thing. So it can vary depending on who you are. But it's really about serving God and what he's placed on your heart, being yeah. obedient to that. So you've, you've ended up in a space where you're, I think it's fair to say, very successful, um, have written loads of the songs that we all sing on Sundays and, and things like that. Um, and then lockdown happens <laughs> and churches cease to exist in the way mm-hmm. they have done before. Yeah. Um, how, how, did you, how did you deal with that? I know that you and Nathan have done things during lockdown. Yeah. So I married the drummer he was pretty hot then he's pretty hot now <laughs> and um and we were in the band fatfish for 20 years and we would travel all around the world um leading worship doing gigs all that sort of thing and so my life basically as a as a worshiper as a musician has been travel so we've every week has looked different so sometimes it might be a local travel, sometimes it might be further afield, sometimes we'll be gigging, sometimes we'll be leading worship, sometimes we'd be speaking, some, you know, every week different lockdown hit. And like all of us, we were suddenly in this very confined space and, uh, you know, surrounded by the same pattern, the same routine every day, which I have to tell you was really hard for me because I'm a people person and I love traveling and being out and about and having change so this kind of thing that was the same all the time was hardcore but then also our job what we've done our entire lives got cancelled so every you know all the churches were shut all our gigs were cancelled everything we planned was cancelled and basically the way that we work we don't get employed by anybody yeah so we didn't have any source of income and um we were kind of left there going, oh, goodness, what are we going to do now? Um, the initial couple of weeks, um, there were a few online things that happened that we, some people asked us to do. So you kind of did that awkward thing with a phone, trying to work out how to make films out of your iPhone, that sort of stuff. Um, and then uh, we were homeschooling. That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, the children loved it just as much as the parents did. Um, and then um, a guy called Ollie Knight. Do you know mm, who he is? Yeah. Yeah? From Canterbury. Canterbury? I think cool so, yeah. from Canterbury. Anyway, he was doing this thing called Come and Sing With Me Online. And he was leading people and singing Monday to Friday every day from the beginning of lockdown. And then it got to about May and it was still lockdown. And he was like, mm. I can't do this all by myself. <laughs> so... He gave me and Nathan Buzz and said, will you do Tuesday takeover? So we were like, oh, I don't really want to because don't, don't really want to. But yeah, we like you, Ollie. So we'll do that. So we, we started it. and We did this, this Tuesday takeover. And um, it was one of those things where I was joining his Facebook page and then I wasn't sure if I was on the right page and my face was kind of squashed against the screen and, hi, is anyone there? All of those horrible things that you do when you're trying to figure it all out. And... Um, But in that moment, we really felt God with us and really, really enjoyed leading and went, oh, this feels right. And then that afternoon, went to my um, family's house and they said, oh, well, maybe you should do it next week. And we thought, oh, maybe we should, but we could really do with a new computer and that's going to cost about two grand. Mm. And uh, I'm not sure if we can do that. 
and we have, you know, there were a few, few things in the way. And that night, um, somebody gave us a large sum oh, of money. Wow. And then I was like, well, we're still about 200 quid short and got home and somebody had put 200 pounds through our door. And at that point, you were like, oh, I think, I think that's what we're supposed to do. So we began leading worship online every Wednesday. We've now done 147, 148 Wednesdays, wow. something like that. Um, we've done it for three years. And <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to clap. Um, the, the singing, I can tell you, some mornings is terrible. Like, there are some mornings when it's awful, it's out of tune. Uh, I literally scrambling to sit on the seat in time to suddenly go, good morning, worship to Wednesday, welcome to worship Wednesday. And I've literally just, just, just like run from my bedroom and sat down. We do it in our lounge, me and Nate on the keyboards, we make mistakes, we laugh at each other, we sing the wrong words. Um, but the point of it is really to, um, was, was to, keep the church singing yeah and then off the back of that a whole community has appeared so there everyone's praying for one another everyone's encouraging one another there's this whole community now online that meets every wednesday um so it's been an amazing journey yeah and that must have been a whole new skill set to learn like, yeah I, I know when i'm leading worship like seeing the reaction of people is <laughs> is part of of what you go off like I can't imagine just having text. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a, a new skill that you have to learn. Although I do say, David, that um, mm. there were a few times as Fatfish when we only played to about two people. So, <laughs> and you have to give as much energy then as you do when the room's full. So yeah. I think that was my practice for when I was singing without knowing anybody in front of me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's been an interesting thing. And actually, we were going to launch some women's, women's conferences. Mm. That was something we'd been working for months towards. And then they all got cancelled. So I remember this was in the May we did Worship Wednesday and in the June, I live in Brighton, so we were, and the, I don't know if you remember, but 2020 was a really sunny summer. So we were in the sea a lot. And I remember me and Nath swimming in the sea and going, well, we've got lights and we've got these fake plants that we were going to do for the <laughs> conference. Why don't we try and just do something different online? So we started these things called Coffee Mornings Online once a month, mm. where I preached and led worship and had a guest did about 20 of those and um yeah it just kind of developed and grew from there really and now we get to sing again in person and do the stuff online so it's pretty cool yeah really good <laughs> and that's so the the women's conference is now something that's taking off again am i right yes and what this this might seem like an an obvious question but but what what drew you to sort of carve out that that space specifically for for women as opposed to like just doing general yeah conferences yeah i think um when you're doing music and you're like 19 your yeah. your dream is is to kind of go as far as you possibly can travel as much as you possibly can get your songs in as many people's hands and voices and all that sort of thing you you dream big and and rightly so um, there's some great things about dreaming big, yeah. um, and I've and I've really, really had some amazing adventures. Um, but in the season that we're in, mm. we felt that we needed to be a bit home, home a bit more. 
um, with the age of our children, that sort of stuff, it was yeah. quite key to be around. And it takes quite a toll on family time. And so in this season, we felt we needed to be back home a bit more. So mm. doing conferences was a good way of kind of combining all the different things we could get. I could get to preach, we could get to lead worship, we could get to do a gig, we could get to connect with people, but we wouldn't have to be away as many weekends. So that was yeah. kind of the initial kind of thought behind it. And then as we've done it, it's like, this is so much better than I could have possibly dreamt because you get 400 women in a room and they're worshiping and they're meeting with God and it's really, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's been very moving and, um, I think it's just really exciting to to stir up hearts again and allow a space for people to come and worship and come yeah. and discover and come and refresh and renew themselves and um, you know life can be full on for a lot of people full on for a lot of ladies yeah. and so and all ages really it doesn't have to be older ladies it's all ages actually we just need a space to be able to come and enjoy God together so it's been really powerful. Mm. And now you're recording a new album. Yes, um, right in the middle of it. Yeah, so that was crowdfunded. It is, yes. Um, so this is... Um, so you've done lots of... This isn't your first album. No. <laughs> um, but you've worked with labels, you've worked independently. Yeah. Um, what's, what are some insights into that, that whole process, pros and cons of both, like yeah. all that sort of stuff? So I think um, Fatfish was an independent um, artist, so we did everything ourselves. We put, you know, guitar cabs in the toilet and recorded down in the basement. <laughs> and we, one, one time we filled our lounge with, a, with about 50 people and recorded them as a choir. And we did a lot of stuff, like, by ourselves. And then... Um, when Jesse was about a year and a half, I got to do my first solo album, and that was with um, Integrity Music, so it was on a label. And that was a very different thing. I got flown out to L.A., I recorded out there with a, a producer. My first photo shoot was in Malibu, you know, that sort of thing. Not quite, you know, sticking the cab in the toilet and trying to record that way. So it looks very different on that level. Um, Definitely in terms of um, resources, it can be that way. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing that has to be key in what, when you're doing it is why are you doing it and never losing the focus of that. So whether you're on a label or you're not on a label, why are you doing it? Who are you reaching? And it's about the people that are in front of you, like I'm saying, I was saying earlier. Yeah. Um, so you want to dream big, but also recognize the people that God's given you in front of you. Yeah. And I think for us, my gigs, my events, all of that stuff has never been determined by the label. They didn't book me any gigs. They didn't book me anything particularly. They helped fund an album, but yeah. then that was kind of where it ended. So we had to still kind of be on the ground doing stuff, going for stuff, you know, traveling about ourselves. Yeah. So I think that when I stopped being with Integrity about two years ago, um, the reality is it still costs money to make an album. It's still yeah. actually, you have to pay the musicians, you have to pay the studio, you have to pay the recording time, you pay the mixing, you pay mastering, you pay artwork, you pay marketing. Uh, there's all sorts of things that go into making an album. And so it costs money. And so this time around, because I'm not on a label this time, 
we launched a crowdfunder, which was a bit scary. Yeah. I cried a lot, actually, the first time when we were filming the video to kind of go, hey, you know, you love us, right? When we've got this mission that we really <laughs> feel called to. Does anyone want to join us? It's, it's embarrassing and it's awkward and it's kind of a bit strange and you feel really vulnerable asking mm. people for money. Um, I found it really hard because I just, I just felt like People, can, people have got other things they want to give to. And, and to be honest, it, you know, it's quite humbling having to ask yeah. people to help you. It's not always very easy asking for help. Um, but we really felt that God wanted to provide that way. And another thing about being a person of faith is that you have to, you have to trust that God will provide and then you have to be ready to receive whatever way he wants to provide through. And that might not always be the way you want it to be, but actually he is the one that provides and he does it all sorts of ways. Yeah. I've got one last question and then someone will run around with a mic. Brilliant. (laughs) Um, Having loads of people sing songs you've written, um, leading worship in front of thousands, being flown out to LA, how do you stay grounded and humble in the midst of what from the outside can look like quite a superstar lifestyle (laughs) Uh, well I don't think I'm a superstar but I appreciate your kindness Um, you know I think um, I think being around people that you trust is really important Mm. community Obviously, we've journeyed it and had three children, and God has still kept us, allowed us to continue to minister. And that takes um, community, family, people around you, staying grounded so that you're not kind of on your own doing stuff. Um, Friendships are really key. And I think that um, when you get older, David, (laughs) you, you, you have to challenge your thinking as to what you're building. Yeah. You know, why am I doing this? What, what am I building? In fact, I was seeing these, this guy that basically he, he walked a tightrope across two buildings recently. Mm. I can't remember where that was. And I thought, what makes you wake up and think that is what I'm going to do for my life? You know, that's his why. That's what he's doing. And, um, and for me, I think the, the heart behind what we do is I have a personal walk with Jesus and I want to continue to grow and develop my love for him outside of what anyone else sees, outside of what anyone else knows. Um, it's really important that I'm with him and, he, yeah. and I know him more and, and I know what it is to be known by him. And that has to continue. And so having people that check up on you, you're accountable with that sort of stuff is really important. Yeah. Um, and trying to be authentic off the stage as well as on the stage is really important so again having people that can kind of say hang on a minute you know (laughs) what I can see something here I mean not that I particularly had that but you know God I remember one time I had a a moment where I saw someone else doing really really well Mm. and I felt a bit like I'm not doing so well this is really annoying Lord I'm a bit disappointed by this you know I had a bit of attitude and um God reminded me of a psalm. I think it's Psalm 127, where it says, unless the Lord builds the house, 
the builders labor in vain. Yeah. And I wrote this song called Build This House. And it was basically a response of that, basically saying, really sorry, Lord, I only want to do what you want me to do. And um, in the last couple of years, I've had this mantra, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Mm. If the Lord wants it, so do I. If he doesn't, neither do I. And so I think if there's stuff that you see going on around you and you think, oh, I want that or I want that or I'm, I'm really, you know, actually what you want to come back to is the Lord is your shepherd, the Lord, the one who's in charge of everything. Therefore, I shall not want because he knows everything that you need. And so if he wants something to happen, then walk according to his will and it will open. And if he doesn't, you don't want it anyway. You don't want to waste your time doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing. So I think, I think for me, just learning to live by that, having that as my kind of foundation yeah. of trust, trusting in him, and remembering that actually everything else dissipates, disappears. So I want to keep learning how to invest in the kingdom and in a heavenly perspective, not my earthly stuff. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> I still get it wrong. I still shout. I still get cross. I'm still not a brilliant parent sometimes. I still fail a lot. So, you know, I sound lovely right now. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions? We've done, like, a very fast run-through of, of various bits, but please do ask. What are some examples of songs you've written? Oh, well, actually, you know what? My husband, Nathan, is actually... He, he's written Holy, Holy, There is a Day. Um, I don't know. I write story songs, so I've written things like Michael Cares for You, which I wrote when my, my friend, who isn't a Christian, her brother died of cancer. So I wrote her a song and um, build this house. And I wrote one for my mum called Hard Pressed because she had a really tough time in her faith. And I wrote a song for her. Um, so stuff like that. Do do check them out on Spotify. They are really good. <laughs> <laughs> Lou won't say that, but I will. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've got some good ones coming. <laughs> I recorded four vocals yesterday, and I'm recording four vocals tomorrow. So I'm excited. <laughs> Lou, um, do you look back on songs that you wrote six, seven years ago, or? longer ago and are you ever tempted to rewrite parts of them or do you think that's done that's finished um i tend to just move forwards so i think uh, there are definitely times when you write a song and you think i know there's a better line here but i can't find it so i'm going to have to close that door actually i think co-writing is a really good way of getting the best out of a song so you can um, work with people and bounce back and forth with people and sharpen a song really well. So I think that's quite a good way to get the best out of a song. Of course, there are always moments where you look back and, oh, I wish I hadn't done that, or I wish I'd done that better. Or I'd, but you just have to keep moving forwards. Hi, Lou. Hi. Which um, worship leaders would you say have inspired you along the way? Oh, that's a good question. Worship leaders. I don't actually know. I mean, in the years gone by, Darlene Jack is an amazing inspiration because she has got so much wisdom and um, 
and definitely cares about the local church. And so she's been an inspiration. Um, at the moment, I listen to a lot of the Maverick stuff and I listen to the Bethel stuff um, and um, some of the Hillsong stuff. So all sorts of different, different songs. For me, it's about the songs as much as um, the movement, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't really know, actually. It's a good question. I'll have to think about that. Can I add into that? Are there any um, non, non-worship secular bands that inspire you as well? Well, um, I mean, I, um, I always love, I used to really love listening to Lauren Hill. She's always been my favorite vocalist. Like, I love her grooves, I love her rapping, I love her singing. I can't do any of those things, but um, yeah, that, I, I've always enjoyed her, so yeah. Me and Ella are going to go and watch Taylor Swift, aren't we, as well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I keep meeting people who have Tay-Tay tickets, and I'm so jealous. <laughs> what did you say? I keep meeting people who have Tay-Tay tickets, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really I wish sorry. I could be there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, not sorry, I think yeah. it's um, Thank you so much for that. It was really interesting and lovely to let, just listen to you talk about it so normally. Such a normal thing, isn't it? And it could be really glamorised. Um, you mentioned about co-writing, and I wanted to ask, how do you find, how do you kind of manage the process when you've written something and someone has a suggestion, and you're like, you want to be really open to opening out to other people's suggestions, mm-hmm. but maybe you don't feel like their suggestion is the right thing, or you, you feel really <laughs> precious about it, and you're like, oh, how do you, how do you balance yeah, that? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of the time you have to hold it really lightly when you go in. So I think it's trying to remember that there's always another song. And so even though this one might feel like this is it, this is the song, there will always be more songs. And so when you're collabing with somebody or co-writing with someone, it's about kind of creating something beautiful together. And um, sometimes you can write with someone and it doesn't work at all, and that's okay. It doesn't always have to work with everybody you write with as well. I remember sitting with someone, I'm, a, I'm somebody who likes a bit of music playing, and I like to externalize as I'm writing. And this person just sits and they think about it. And it was like, this is not working at all. You know? and, and working out, that's okay. We won't write together again, probably. That's okay. So finding people that, that you buzz off of and, and actually... You come out with a better song. And I think also recognising that sometimes that person might only bring one or two lines, but those are the key lines that will make the whole song go to another level of its kind of depth uh, uh, as a song. And so, again, just remembering that that's a really important part of it. But I think you just have to hold your songs really lightly if you're going to bring them into the room. Just, and that's, a, that's an ongoing thing. <laughs> Hi. Um, I was just wondering, for someone like starting to write songs and being embarrassed of them and not necessarily wanting to share them, but also wanting other people to hear them, like how would you suggest putting them out into the world um, and like the attitude for doing that as well? Yeah, I mean, that is a good question. I think, again, it's knowing why. Why do you want them to hear them? And then letting that be the strongest kind of heartbeat in it. Because fear... and comparison can be really strong contenders to make us 
feel like we don't want to share because we're, we're afraid. Because when you write a song, you're giving a part of you on the page, you know. You're sharing a part of you with somebody. And so it's extremely vulnerable. And so that fear of rejection, fear of they might not like it, fear of what they might say, um, and then also comparison, oh, it's not quite as good as that person or it's not quite as good as that person. So I think knowing why you're going to share it and why you're writing, because some people just want to do it because that's a really good way. It's like journaling. It's a good way of getting it off your chest, good way of processing. But if it's actually to give to people and, and want them, why? And then one of the hardest bits as a creative is to not compare because, you know, we look around, especially with the stuff that we have available to hand now, we can see what everyone else's world looks like. And you're like, oh, my mine doesn't look like that. Or I wish I'd done that. Or I wish. And comparison can also be such a big stealer. So really that whole thing about the Lord's my shepherd again, you know, I'm going to, if he wants it, I want it. If he doesn't, I don't. It's about running in your lane. He has a lane for you to run in, and I'm going for that. When it comes to actually then sharing the song, um, I think there are, obviously there's a live context where you can share it. I don't know if it's a church song or is it a, just more of a performance So finding ways to do that, get a pub gig. Get a, sometimes places like food places have little Sunday people coming in doing some songs, you know, in a pizza place or whatever. Find some little places that you could start doing it so that you begin to grow your confidence in terms of performing. And then when it comes to recording it, there really aren't, um, there aren't any rules. Just find a way to get it down so that you can record it. And then Jess, wave over there, Jess. <laughs> Does everyone know who Jess is? She's amazing, and she is a singer-songwriter, and she is in a, in a similar place, but a, a little bit further ahead. So she started sharing her songs, she started writing, recording, she's now got them up on Spotify and different places, and, uh, and she understands the struggle that it is at that place, don't you? Like, how do you, how do you get people to hear it? How do you get people to listen? And, um, and I think it is just a case of getting in front of people, and then learning how to get stuff up online and pushing it that way and then doing it with your friends, that sort of stuff. It's just literally working, crafting, pushing doors. And um, I would have, if you've got people that you trust, just have them alongside you. Again, it's not supposed to be a lonely place. You know, have people around you that will champion you, that will cheer you on, that will pick you up when you feel rubbish, when you feel like, oh, I really failed there, or I feel a bit rubbish about how I did it there. They'll go, yeah, it wasn't great, or they'll say, but, but you've got another chance, or they'll say, no, it was amazing, don't listen to that, you know. Does that make sense? Yeah. But talk to Jess. She's, she's the business. <laughs> hey 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 okay, hey <laughs> um, first off thank you so much because your worship Wednesdays really helped me at uni when I was still trying to find a church oh, um, thank you. so I would tune into those um, I kind of want to ask you about your preaching and how did you decide you wanted to start preaching and then was it really scary or was it the same as singing or yeah yeah um, so with preaching I I went on a preaching course at church, and then I remember sitting outside when I finished it and thinking, now what do I do? Um, because there wasn't really a context for me to, to practice what I'd 
learn practice what I preach um, so I, there wasn't there wasn't really a place for, for me to do that and so I remember sitting in the car going oh now what Lord and um, and then Joel calling me up and saying do you want to preach at New Day and that was probably one of the first preaches I'd done actually um, <laughs> the thing the thing you've got to remember is that in terms of standing up in front of people I don't that's that bit in terms of that side of things is I have confidence in that bit but the preaching side, I'm still, I still feel like I'm growing in. So I still feel nervous. I still feel like I'm learning how to communicate. I still feel like I don't know enough. Um, so for me, it's actually about um, being obedient when God opens the doors and gives opportunity. And um, really, as well, another practical thing that I do is I just try and make notes. Sometimes I'll be reading something or reading the Bible or I'll have a sense of something or a, a, an idea about something and I'll just write it down. So I remember there was a, a point I preached at um, a women's conference at our church actually before New Day. Sorry, I forgot about that. And, uh, and January, God had spoken to me about the story of Noah and being on the boat. And I just felt him give me this whole kind of image and this kind of journey. I didn't know why. And then March, I was asked to speak at our women's thing, which I did, and God had already given it to me, and then was asked to then speak at New Day. And so I think it is about practice and development, and again, being able to be vulnerable with other people around you, so you don't feel like you're carrying the whole thing yourself. So being able to practice in front of people and then give you feedback, having someone you trust theologically to help input and, you know, back and forth a bit that sort of stuff is really helpful as well does that make sense no I know I, I do appreciate it's a challenge sometimes I'm still learning <laughs> hello hello Hi, <laughs> you mentioned earlier about not being stubborn with kind of what you feel God's called you to do um <laughs> I was wondering if you could share a bit more about that and kind of that place of you have creative vision mm. and you believe God's given it to you and yeah. you're trying to go in that direction, but somehow also not being stubborn in that. <laughs> could you share more about that? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess the important thing is that we are um, a people of the Spirit. Before everything else, before all the stuff that we do, actually our relationship with God and then our ongoing walk with him is the primary thing. And so then from that place, what we want to do is follow the spirit uh, where he leads. And if you already recognize his voice in your everyday life, in your everyday things, then when it comes to those other bigger decisions, hopefully you would feel more... Um, I guess just more clarity in terms of where he's leading. Having said that, it doesn't always work nearly as simply as that. But I think, I think um, God can give us practical ways of helping us figure some of that out. So if there's a determination and a, a single-mindedness towards something you feel God has caused you to do, and... Um, and even people around you are saying, no, 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 you shouldn't do it, you shouldn't do it. But you know you are convicted in your heart, you know, then you've got to keep on that track. But what I would say is that alongside that, 
You need to be praying, reading your Bible. You need to be accountable with friends because there will be some close people alongside you that will also see things and call things out. And so, again, there, there are obviously some people that are pioneers in things that, that nobody else will have seen the vision for. And so it's not as black and white as that, obviously. <laughs> so, but having people around you that are discerning that can also help you in that decision-making, kind of saying, hey, because I remember having a word for somebody where it was like, you feel like you're stuck and you can't move forwards, but actually, in order to move forwards, you need to move sideways first, and then you can move forwards. And I think sometimes we get so kind of closed down that we're not willing to shift things a bit. And I remember Nate, sometimes me and Nate will make a plan and then the week after something will change and that changes the whole trajectory. And we've sat there that week making this massive plan that can't possibly now come into fruition because something else has changed over here. So it's always that thing of, of um, not, I guess if you've got a pioneering spirit, you know, then keep, keep going keep trusting, keep believing, but also God will open doors if, if it's the right thing. And so, and I, and I would say that 80% of the time having friends and your leaders, whoever, whatever context it is, there will be somebody alongside you going, come on, you can do this. This is what you're called to, rather than you feeling like, everyone else is saying no, but I know it. Do you know, does that make sense? It's hard, obviously, because I don't know your context. Like, I don't want to, I don't take everything that I'm saying as the correct answer for you. Um, but those are some of those things that you can have in play when you're trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, I was just going to ask, as, like, friends and family of people who are trying to make it in the Christian music industry, what can we best do to support people like that? Oh, that's a good question. Thanks. Um, well, I think, I think um, praying is a key thing. Um, asking God for prophetic words, encouragement, that sort of stuff is really important. If you've got people around that have kids going and babysitting, practical stuff like that is really important. We had um, some people that really loved my children and so and they were around they were students and then eventually they got married that sort of thing but they were in our lives throughout the week and then so if me and Nate had to go away they already had kind of extended family with them and that was a really important part of releasing us to do what we do creative people rarely enjoy doing admin so if you're really good at admin, get alongside them and help them with that. It's stuff like there's so much stuff that can... That can so if, whoever it is, find, I'd ask them, what is it that I can do to serve you, um, to help release you in what God's called you to do? Yeah. Who, who likes admin around here? Anyone? No. <laughs> You're doing well, you're doing well. Thank you. Thanks. Um, you mentioned at the start of the Q&A that you write um, a lot of stuff that's quite personal um, to you or to your family or friends. Yeah. Um, do you ever get um, anxious or worried about like releasing that stuff to the public um, that's so close to your heart? And if that's the case, what do you do about that? 
if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I, like I said, there's a vulnerability to it. So there always is. So um, we're crowdfunding for this album. And my biggest kind of thing as people are giving money is like, oh, you're giving money. What if you really don't like the album? I'm going to feel really awful that you've, you've invested and you hate it. You know, you have all these kind of conversations going on in your, in your head. Um, again, I wrote the songs, though. They, they were an outlet for me. They were a prayer for me. Um, but they were for those people. So I wasn't necessarily scared about that because... I'd written it for them, you know, it was like, um, there wasn't anywhere else for it to go because it was for them. But off the back of them, me, me sharing that, actually other people relate. And so you'd be amazed at how many songs God would give you that can relate to lots more people. Because um, often we're all going through similar stuff, but it can just look a bit different in different seasons. And so songs are a really good way to give people tools to articulate how they're feeling. So I wrote one song called Sacrifice, and it was because I'd seen these two ladies in the back of a, a worship time, and their home lives were really, really challenging. And I'd seen them in this place, kind of with their arms thrown up, and they were just like Jesus I'm yours above everything else. I give you everything. And that was their sacrifice of worship above everything else. And, but from writing that song and doing that, I've heard from other people who have said, I miscarried several times and I just had to get on my knees and sing, I worship you, even though I was broken. And so it's those kind of things that God could use to, to bless other people as you are being vulnerable. Does that make sense? Go for it. Yeah. I think we've got time for a couple more questions. Um, out of all the songs you've written, which one was your favourite and why? Oh, that is a good question. Well, I have to tell you, I'm not a very good favourites person because I always have a reason for liking lots of things. If I have a dessert in front of me, I can never choose which one I want because I'm not very good at favourites. But I think um, a key song that Nath wrote and as Fatfish that we sung was a song called There Is A Day. And that one really talks about the fact that one day Jesus is going to come back and then there's going to be no more sadness. There's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more sorrow. And, um, and we're going to become more like him. We're going to be made new. And we're going to have new bodies. And, um, and that's probably one of our favorite songs as a, as a thing. In terms of my songs, I really like the story songs. Um, so I love songs that will connect emotion, heart, context, story, but the reality of God in the mix of it. So, yeah. I don't know. You'll have, what you'll have to do is you'll have to listen to my songs and then you'll have to tell me your favourite. <laughs> that you don't... There's no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and what... Yep, I think... Ah, there's hands all over the place now. <laughs> Ed, uh, who did you see two, last time? Two more, two more. We'll do two more. Come on, two more. Yeah. Two more, two more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
marriage. <laughs> you guys, you guys work together. You've grown together. Yeah. You've done family together. Yeah. And it's actually, it's been really wonderful seeing in Worship Wednesdays a little bit more insight into your relationship <laughs> and, and how well you get along. It, does it always work well? Do you always work well together? Because it seems like you do. Um, I think actually we do. I think um, obviously there are challenges and there are definitely decisions we've had to make along the way about priorities. Um, one of the biggest things is you're always tired at the same time, that sort of stuff. So you hit the, the lows and the highs at the same point, and so that can be challenging. Um, I think it helps that Nate's quite chilled, and I'm more of the kind of... So between us, we work quite well together. But I think... Um, yeah, there are definitely times where we've had to make decisions to, to prefer one another um, in situations. Um, but generally, we actually get on really well. I mean, we met as teenagers, and so we've been friends before we became um, in a relationship and before we got married, and I think that was a good foundation for, for what we do. And I don't think everyone who's married can work together, and that doesn't mean it's a di that their marriage is a disaster. It just means that me and they happen to work well together. We do actually quite like each other still, yeah. Oh, we've lost it. Hey there. Okay. Hi. Is it going now? Yeah, okay. yeah that's good. There we go. Um, can I ask about the balance between um, leading worship in a local church and being committed to a particular place? Yeah. And But also you guys have been within the realm of Christian music, very successful and have wider responsibilities than that, recording and promoting. And how have you handled that tension between being called to the wider church and also being called to be located? Yeah, I mean, Nathan and I, over the years, have obviously when we started, um, there was so much happening out of the local church. And, you know, when we had Stoney, we had all that stuff. Actually, that was kind of quite a key part of... Um, New Frontiers, Song Pool, everything. So there was a lot that was based out of local church. Then from there, we've gone and traveled around. We try to still serve in our local church. Some terms are harder than others um, because if we're traveling and away and we want to be there to go to church on Sunday with the kids. So we try and make that priority. Um, I think in terms of how we serve, we just... Wherever we go, you're, you're looking at the place that you're going and you're serving that. So we, we try not to go with our own agenda most of the time. You know, it's like, what, what does this room look like? So I'll be in Pentecostal, you know, different settings that way. And then I'll be in quite traditional, formal ways as well. And so you lead according to the place you're at. So at local church, I'm basically saying, how do I serve my leaders and the local church here? And hopefully serve in that way as well um but yeah it's an ongoing thing that you have to keep developing asking questions check, checking in amazing thank you so <laughs> much time for giving us your time today thank you um, would you mind just praying for us as we as we end yeah i'd love to Lord, I just want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you that it is being poured out on each and every person in this room. Some of us will know it deeply. Some of us are just beginning to discover. 
But I thank you that first and foremost, you call us to know you and to be known by you. And I thank you that you love creativity, that you're a creative God, that you love music and art and movement, that you love um, all the different ways that we can be creative, um, that all of that comes from you. You are the creator. And so I just want to pray for your breath on creativity in this room. I want to pray for new songs uh, to, to be birthed. I want to pray for videos and films and uh, artwork and dances and theater and drama and all of those different things that are, are wonderful ways to express uh, part of our humanity and, and also um, ha- who we are in you now as, as Christians. And I, I want to pray, God, for those things to be unlocked in an amazing way. I thank you that you love us to be expressing our worship in the church, but also I pray for those that called feel called to be out of the church and just being worshippers in a different context. I thank you that there's value in both things. And um, I want to pray uh, for um, people to meet with you and encounter you as a result of the gifts and the talents and the resources and the anointing that is here. And I pray your blessing on them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.